All right. Well, welcome to uh, to another show, another pickleball show with Curtis Reese. That is me. I'm your host, your uh, your provider of questions and great guests. And I've got two great guests today. Uh, one is Tevin Wheeler right there in the black hat right there. He's Kansas City native. Uh, he's a cousin of mine, and he's down to see us. But he's going to tell us a few chicken and pickle stories up there in his hood. Later down the road, and then my save the best for last year. This guy right here, I, I'm not gonna say his name yet, but as as he was, he's known presented to me as a uh, the godfather of pickleball, basically here in Dallas. And I might be wrong with about that, but uh, that's what I was told. And from uh, two of my previous guests, I respect a lot. They said the same words like that. So I go to an inner club. My club, T-Brian, was going to play at Bentry. And there's, you know, people walking around. And I look at this guy. He's sitting over there chilling, lounging in a chair. And uh, I was always raised of the, of the fact that when you're going to warm up for a match, do all the grunting and all the, you want to do. But that doesn't mean you're focused. You're quiet. You don't say anything. You just do your business. So I'm doing, putting pairing, pairings together with Craig Bell. And he's just, this guy's sitting here. And um. Uh, he's like, um, people are asking to play. He's like, Oh, you me to play? He goes, no, no, no. I'm, I, I'm too fat. I'm overweight. I'm ball. I mean, I don't even know how to play. And I will look at that shit and I walk over to Craig and I go, um, <clears throat> is that Dom? And he goes, yeah. I said, I knew it. That's the godfather of pickleball. Mr. Dominique Greco. Glad you're here, my friend. Thank you. Glad you're here, man. I am I'm glad I was getting, this guy's got so many fun stories. So many fun stories, but uh, uh, anyway, he's come to join our, our 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 show, and hopefully we can have him back if he enjoys it. And I know Mr. Tevin will will, will enjoy it. I'll, I'll be nice to you today, <laughs> please do. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so we'll start with Mr. Dom. Uh, what's what's where were you born? What's what's uh, your family history? Anything like that? Um, born in Houston, mostly grew up in this area. My dad was the principal up in Prosper. Uh-huh. My wife or my mom taught in McKinney. They're both school teachers. Oh wow. Um, when I graduated, I went to University of Dallas and then got my doctorate over at UTD nice and was a professor over there. So quite a lot mm-hmm. of bouncing around in the North Texas area. Mm-hmm. And you have family around, you have kids, wife, kids. All that I've stuff. got a wife, no kids. She didn't like me that much. Oh, you were too much for her to have kids. I don't like uh, Got two brothers. They've got plenty of them hanging That's around. That's all right. There's nothing wrong with that. And they're all so much taller than me. <laughs> Whatever, man. They're, they're like 6'4". Uh, so Tevin. Tell us where you're from. Uh, grew up in Kansas City, um, born and raised, went to the University of Kansas for college, um, bounced around after that, Chicago, Florida, and then recently moved back there, but been coming down to see Kurt for 12, 15 years now, I think. 20. 20? <laughs> Math sucks. Uh, More than that. <laughs> but uh, Kurt kind of taught me a little bit of tennis when I grew up. I played in high school a bit, not super competitive, but loved it. Play pickleball now, still love it. And that's um, a chicken and pickle right there, right? Yeah, chicken and pickle. They just opened a second one more in suburbs. They had one in North Kansas City across from the Missouri River, and mm-hmm. then they just opened one 135th in Metcalf. You know where yeah. you stayed for the oh, yeah. game, Metcalf? Yeah. Um, and, yeah, we go there. We go there at least once a month. Wow. Week. Hang out. We're glad you guys are here. Uh, <clears throat> so currently, we're back to, to the godfather of pickleball here. Dom, 
What's uh, where? Are you, where are you currently working now? You've kind of freel- freelancing, or um, well, up until a couple months ago, I was running six tennis centers, and I've cut back, and you. now I'm moving into. Uh, I'm running Samuel Grand, Bentry, and Glen Eagles Country Club. Oh, very good. Oh, Glen Eagles, they got some courts. Right? Who's up there? Henry Gonzalez. Yes. There? How Roy many courts nice. they get up there? They've got uh, six courts. Oh wow! Yeah, Royal Oaks just put in six by miles, but I don't. I don't think they have lights. I'm not being sarcastic. I don't think they can put lights up. But whatever, they have the big power line above them. Yeah, I was gonna say where they put them. I haven't gone down and seen them. They yet. look nice. So, um, so, so of those three places, which one of 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 uh, Glen Eagles, Samuel Grand, and Ventry? Which one? They're all good good facilities with great directors. Truth. What's uh? Which one's kind of like the one that's got the good mojo going currently? They're all entirely different markets. Okay. So Samuel Graham's a public center, mm-hmm. so a lot more people. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bentry is a very expensive, exclusive yes, sir. club. A lot less people. Mm-hmm. Uh, Glen Eagles is kind of in the mid-range. Mm-hmm. So so it really is three different ones. That's, so, co- that's cool. Um, they all have really nice programs for the number of people they have. Mm-hmm. So if I run a class at you know, Bentry, I can expect eight people. Wow. The same class at Glen Eagles, 16. Mm-hmm. The same class at Samuel Grand, 30 to 40. Wow, yeah. But they all make the same amount of money for it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> no. Well, you've 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 uh, done an amazing job, and I've got I got to be on court with him for a little bit, and he's pretty good. He's really good. <laughs> and so, so uh, anyway, the um, wow, well, you know, there's the question. There's three questions, and one question, I guess, is when, why, how pickable. When did you start, and all that, and how? Um, so it'd be. Fifteen or sixteen years ago, I was still playing traveling team basketball and stuff, and I had my fifth ACL surgery. Oh wow! And my surgeon said, "You're done. My kids are out of college. You've been, <laughs> you've, been you've been my patient since you were 24. You can no longer chase young kids. Your knees can't handle it." And so while I was recovering for <laughs> right. this, felt like you. <laughs> the actual Godfather of pickleball introduced me to it. Okay. So my dad. Oh, your dad. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah. Well, Pedro here, here's the here's here's the thing. You know they have the Texas Senior Games. Yes. So my father decided to work his way down the Senior Games and win every event. <laughs> Sounds about like you. He had like 600 medals. Really. And when I say every event, in one year he won horseshoes, washers, the javelin throw, the shot put, four track meets, basketball. He holds the record for golf. Their tennis. He went through all of them. He had like 600 medals. Uh, so they kept telling him, these ladies, a lady out of Victoria, Texas, Mo said, mm-hmm. you need to play this new game, Pickleball. You haven't won that. And Dave goes, I don't even know what it is. Exactly. And so while I was recovering from surgery, uh-huh. Dad went and bought these two water-filled bases. Nice. plastic net. Nice. And so my brothers and I and Dad taught each other to play. Well, the problem with that was water-filled bases on a gym floor slide in. (laughs) So we learned to play on a net that was two feet high. Wow. In the middle. So that whole dinking thing never happened. (laughs) (laughs) All we did was we took the ball, and we would play for one day a week. We took the ball, and we proceeded to hit it as hard as we could at our opponent (laughs) and hopefully impale them with the ball. I did not actually see a dink. Until nationals. Really? And it was one of those things where, and we, like I said, we played one day, one day a week for two hours. Mm-hmm. So 
they had the first Mid-South Regional Tournament, and we yeah. played like 15, 16 times total. Wow. So we went and we won that. Mm-hmm. And like, this oh. is you and your dad or you and your you, My dad and my brother. That's great. And uh, Charlotte Rivera. Okay. And yeah. so we swept that. And so we're like, oh, we're really good. So about our 32nd time playing, we decided to go to the first national tournament. So we get up there, and they have actual real nets. Oh, that are not two feet high in the middle. And everybody we're playing is out of Seattle and California (laughs) and they're dinking. And I remember we're at this point. Now, the worst part of this is we drove out there, which is a 21 hour drive across the desert. What year was this? Uh, 2000, it'd be about 15 years ago. Oh, wow. 2007. Seven, somewhere in there. So we drive out there because my dad won't fly. And it is a long ride. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay, so we're playing, and my brother and I get knocked down into the loser's bracket. And he's like, I cannot do this dinking part. Mm-hmm. I'm like, well, look. I said, here's the bad part. I said, Dad's already won gold. <laughs> <laughs> he goes, yes. I said, if we, and the guys we were playing was the California state champs. I said, if we don't beat them, we don't get a medal. Mm-hmm. If we don't get a medal, you're riding in the car with me 21 <laughs> hours back to Texas <laughs> And dad already having a gold medal. And we have to live with that. And he goes, I still can't dink. So we actually won our first medal at nationals with him staying on the baseline. What? One up, one And bet? me staying in the front. Oh, and he just wow. pounded everything and I poached everything. Yeah. We had no clue what we were. When we were done, we had to come back. It's like, okay, we got to learn how to do the dink thing at least to see what it oh, was. Shit, man. But it was like, I don't care what it takes. I'm not riding in the car all the way back with dad with him already got a gold or two golds, and us with nothing. I got a funny story about I had when I was, I think, 11. I remember I got, I played a tournament, and I think it was Garland Tennis Center, Coleman Tennis Center, or somewhere, um, and I got to the finals. And my dad was there watching, and he was the quiet one. I refused to let my mom watch because she was loud. She thought, she thought she was, like, at a concert or something. So I forbid her to watch my matches at the age of 11. So I lost. And we get in the car, and I'm, like, really sad. You know what I mean? You're sad. You're 11, about to be 12, and you're like, God, this sucks. Man. Dad's going to kill me. So I get in the car, slam the door. It's quiet. And my dad goes, dad goes, so, second place, huh? Here's me. Yeah. Anyways, you know what second place is? Silver? No. It's the first loser. Didn't, drive, didn't talk to me the whole entire way home. So that's what my dad told me. That was a long time ago. And boy, did my mom chew his ass out when he got home. We got to make, let's clarify. This is water, everybody. This is liquid death. It's on the TX uh, Whiskey podcast. It's really damn good. We were hoping it was like, uh, he, Tevin thought it was an energy drink. But he, I thought it was these badass seltzers. It's like, fuck, let's it's Friday. Let's have a seltzer. And it's water. It uh, murders. It's our one tip to be cool. Yeah. <laughs> that's what he said. Uh, so going back to the, to the, so the win, the why was because your dad won all the medals and you were super competitive. Probably I can tell you. So, and then your the, how was just because your dad, you had knee surgery, you picked it up. That's cool. That's, I picked it up because I could hit my dad five years, four years ago. So I'd say that going to that. So what, what's like one of your, what's your proudest, what's your best moment in pickleball and your worst moment? And you can do either one. Can't really say I've got a, a worse moment because it's a game. You win some, you lose some. 
it's not really going to bother me that much. Probably the best was the first year they had the Mid-South Regional. I won it with my brother. Oh, wow. And um, you said, where was that at? I'm sorry if we can tell our listeners. It was in uh, Louisiana, outside New Orleans. Okay. And uh, at the time, it was just the skill level was open. Wow. So you played all ages. So we beat uh, LSU's number one tennis player and Purdue's number one tennis player. At the they time, were, huh? what, yeah, and they what, were like twenty four. What year was this? This fifteen years ago. Okay, and uh, so that, I mean they were good. So we beat them, and they were complaining afterwards, like we got beat. No, we got beat by old guys. Oh God, because we were like forty. So my brother tours Achilles tendons and couldn't play the next year. Oh, so at the time my dad was seventy six. So we came back the next year and I go into the tournament, and everybody's like, "Who are you playing with, Tom?" I said. Joe can't play. And everybody's like, Joe's not here. Yeah. Joe's not here. And I say, who are you playing? I said, I'm playing my dad. Oh, well, so, you play with your dad? Yeah. Oh, so it's, wow, you know, man. the five zero open division, all ages. Wow. And so we're playing the young guys. About halfway through the tournament, the guy goes, this is so going to suck if y'all win this. <laughs> what? And what was funny was people that run pickleball tournaments are not very good at the actual running of tournaments. Mm-hmm. So between the semifinal match and the gold medal match, we had a two-hour wait. Oh, no, no, no. So we're playing, again, 24-year-olds. My dad's 76, but we'd put them in the loser's bracket. So they had to beat us two out of three and then one game to 15. Mm-hmm. So we get out there to warm up, and dad can't warm up in that time. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's not going to happen. So for the two out of three, we just hit the ball and warmed up. Mm-hmm. And they're like, you're not even trying. It's like, nope. We're just warming up here. <laughs> we lost our two games. I picked a ball game. Okay, one game, all the marbles. Oh, wow. And we beat them 15 to 6. So I actually won the Open Championship with Dad when he was 76. What year was this now? What year was this? Uh, it'd be 2008. Oh, wow. Probably. Wow. And so he was 76, and we beat the 20-year-olds. And that was true. <laughs> Especially considering they really were trying to get every ball to him, but as long as he didn't have to run, oh yeah, he makes no mistakes uh-uh. ever. Steady Eddie, huh? I, there aren't many people that can take a, a top twenty-year-old pro's mm-hmm. tennis shot at point blank range at seventy-six and get it back. Yeah. Oh wow! And I mean, like I said, we didn't lose. The only two games we lost that whole tournament were the ones where we had to warm him up. Wow. So we had, um, you were Samuel Grant, so we had uh, Zoltan was on here last week. Mm-hmm. He just took over, you know, LB. He's adding 12 pickleball courts. Well, LB already has 16. I know, but he's but it's 16 regular courts, but he's adding 12 actual play, um, lines for 12 pickleball courts, but he's, he's going to put some more in himself, pay for, mm-hmm. and add them over there, which I thought you'd like to know because it's just like the whole, our whole entire MO is, I'm sure this is yours as well, is to build, just build the, grow the sport. I mean, the thing with Samuel with LB Houston, because up until just recently I was running LB yes. Houston, mm-hmm. getting people to go out there. Yeah. Because we, we, we tried to get people to go out there, and it's kind of like in a geographic black yeah. hole where not many people live around it. Yeah. And so I mean, we've had 16 courts out there for a long time. 16 pickleball courts. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. Okay, I thought you had. Wow, okay. I didn't and know that. Charlotte Rivera has ran it for me for quite a while. Mm-hmm. I mean, as long as she was there bringing the people in, yeah, exactly. they'd stay. If she left, they'd go to other exactly. places closer to their house. Mm-hmm. So, like, for the Dallas area, we actually have more pickleball courts than we need. Mm-hmm. Uh, before COVID. I've never heard that. Wow. Okay. Well, what before happened COVID. was before COVID, yeah. 
85% of our play was indoors. Mm -hmm. So we played in all the rec centers. Yeah. Okay. We got like 80 of those. Mm -hmm. That's a lot of rec centers. Okay. And we were about 85 to 90% capacity Mm -hmm. at that time. When COVID hit, they shut down all the rec centers. Mm -hmm. So everybody went outdoors. Mm -hmm. Then we quadrupled the number of outdoor courts within two years. People just don't realize how many courts there are because every homeowners association lined at least one of their tennis courts. Yeah. So they did that. And then the city of Dallas, um, we ran a big, uh, I can't think of the word petition drive Mm -hmm. where they sent them 3000 signatures three years ago Mm -hmm. and they finally got around to it. So they just put in pickleball courts at 15 more centers. Yeah. And they're nice. Oh, really? So, You know, if you go down to like Reversham or Ridgewood, Campbell Green, mm-hmm. all those, you now have at least four to eight pickleball courts sitting out there in addition to the indoor ones. Wow. So right now we actually have more courts than we use. Okay. Well that's I didn't I didn't know that. That's that's pretty cool to know. So up in Tevin, Tevin up in Kansas City, is there, is there a lot of cause is, is there in their country club by where you live or used to live? What's was that Blue Hills Country Club? What's that place called? Uh there's Kansas City Country Club. There's a couple up there. Um What's but, it like up there? Well, like he was saying, we started seeing stuff in neighborhoods starting to get lined, whether it was on top of the tennis courts or they started building, adding additional ones because it caught fire a couple of years ago. Um, and they, like I said, they had to add the second one because the first one was just constantly full. Mm-hmm. I mean, you had to book weeks in advance wow. to try and get in. Um and it was a lot of new people. I mean, it wasn't people that played tennis necessarily or, you know, were friends of people at tennis. It was people just wanting to get out and learn. Wow. Um, and that's kind of how we got into it, too. I got into it with my girlfriend and then the family because everyone could play. Yeah. Um, and it was fun. Um, so, 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 like, going back to you, Dom, do you, do you see, like, a lot of freelance pickleball pros, like the tennis pros in some of these courts, or are they just people playing pickleball? Both. Both? Yeah. You think there's a lot more pickleball pros or more pickleball enthusiasts out there? I think I'll tell you what I think. What I know, there's there's very few true pickleball professionals. Very, very few. And, and, and I'm not your level. I consider myself not your level, but I'd say a strong fourth place finisher to get behind you. But I really care about it. What do you think? Very, very few actual pros. And by, and by pros, I mean someone who actually teaches swing. Yeah. But most people will teach you to come out there and will teach you the rules of the game. Mm-hmm. So. Like when I'm hiring pros, mm-hmm. I'm looking for two different things. Mm-hmm. One, if they're going to be someone that's going to teach uh, the larger classes and stuff, I really want to know how to teach a swing. Very good. Like the components of a forehand swing, why it's different from most tennis swings. Mm-hmm. It's, it's the old tennis swing if you have a wood bracket. Yeah. It's not the modern tennis swing where you come over, it's the low to high with yeah. continental grip. But at the same time, most people, when you teach pickleball, mm-hmm. if you're decent at teaching it, you shouldn't see that person after three lessons. Generally, after one, most of them. Mm-hmm. If I can't teach you and four people off the street how to play the game in 90 minutes. Mm-hmm. You suck. Yeah. <laughs> you have to be unbelievably uncoordinated. So for <laughs> tennis pros, oh, tennis is unusual in that only tennis and golf are the only two sports where you take lessons routinely. Oh, wow. I didn't think about that. Wow. There's no other sport where you routinely take lessons, especially where you routinely take lessons into your adulthood. Yeah. Wow. Okay. No other two sports have that, and that's because they're country club-based. Ah. Okay. So 
you have to keep country people. club versus the public okay. facility. Pickleball is a very low learning curve sport. Realistically, if you want to just come out, learn to play, I can give you one private lesson. And then normally I put people in what I call a teach and play class where they come out and play for two to three hours. Mm-hmm. I give them 15 to 20 minutes of instruction and I'll put like 20 people out there playing. And then I just walk around and go, no, no, not like that. Do it the other way. That's the fastest way to play. But yeah. once I do that, they're pretty much done. Mm-hmm. They don't need any more lessons unless they are just, you know, used to having lessons or they're going on to playing a tournament or something. Yeah. Okay. 97% of my players will never play a tournament. Yeah, just rec play, fun fun play. Right. right. I mean, Social most play. people don't realize, like, my median player is a 63-year-old woman who has never played anything in her life. Uh-huh. That is the median player that I'm teaching now. Yeah. Wow. Well, I mean, that's... Which is distinctly different from when I started, which was a guy that's like, you know, I'm number six in the world in racquetball. I want to go win a tournament here and teach me how to play. <laughs> wow. <laughs> or like the guys on my dad's softball team. The entire bench on the team is at least an All-American or a pro player. Wow. So when they come out to play and I teach them, it was one thing, or people that would fly into town for tournament practice. So you did a lot of high-end initially, high-end players. That's all we did initially. Where did you do that out of? I didn't ask. Just nearest public court. Public court. Wow. I had an agreement with the city of Dallas because we opened up all their rec centers. I could do it. That's great. But, so, I mean, it's a big shift now that almost all of the lessons and stuff you're going to do nowadays are going to be beginners. Mm-hmm. Uh, and your average beginner is the median is a 63-year-old yeah. lady who has not played any sport. And that is an entirely different thing to teach. It is. It, it is. And, you know, I, I, here's another question for you. Um, is uh, what... what So I would say that if you, if you, well, I've seen this. Have you seen like any type of um, pecking order between an, an incoming pickleball pro or a tennis professional turning into a pickleball professional, or how, is, do you see a lot of uh, a lot of uh, annoying looks from the tennis pros when they see a pickleball walk on, or do you see any type of rift there? Or what I've seen some of it, yeah, but not as bad as you would think. So, I mean, here's the thing. Once you realize they're not similar markets at all, Mm -hmm. they just happen to be able to be played on the same court. Mm -hmm. So a tennis pro is going to make almost all of his money in Dallas off of a TCD team of ladies. He will see them every week until they die. Same (laughs) shot, different week, bro. Right. Same mistake, different week. He will see them every week. And he will do warm-ups for them. Here, I mean, they're going to be I'm as guilty as that stuff too. about 50% of the revenue for that club. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, the other 50% is going to be a kid's camp. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's going to be one of those two. Yeah. But so if he's doing adults, it's going to be the same ladies every week. Mm-hmm. A pickleball pro, with the exception of some TCD teams, mm-hmm. um, is not going to see that. You're going to see that person for one or two lessons, and then they're done. Yeah. They don't need any more lessons because here's the thing about pickleball. Uh-huh. No matter how bad you are, if you and your three friends are equally bad, you're going to have a good time. <laughs> That's all you're going to do. 
So all I have to do is when they're first learning to play, yeah. I have them bring out three of their friends that they're going to play with, That's and I get them all up and running and tell them, now you can have a good time. If you want to get better to go play tournaments or just to get better, mm-hmm. which I'm just going to tell you, most people don't, mm-hmm. we can come back. Come yeah. back and see me in another month. Mm-hmm. But that means I'm not going to be seeing the same person week to week. So when you see a tennis pro and they're looking at teaching pickleball, they think, oh, I can make a lot of money off it. Not really. You need a lot more people. Yeah. I mean, like, I mean, I'm booked yeah. a long ways, but you need a lot of people because you're not going to see them consistently week to week. Whereas right. your TCD ladies team, how often do you see them? Oh, I, I when I was entrenched in all that, I saw them once a week. And then they would come out seasonally after you know after after the spring you're right about that yeah but i'm not as entrenched in that as i used to be but yes i mean that 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 is the bread and butter for your pros Mm -hmm. okay so pickleball is not going to make the same money for them Mm -hmm. so when a lot of the pros see it they're you know they see you know i've got a class of 20 people out there and i'm charging the same rate per person as them they're like oh my gosh yeah you're making a lot it's like yeah but those 20 people once i get them up and running they're done yeah They'll come by and see me. We'll play. We'll have fun. Yeah. Every once in a while, I'll see one or two out of that 20 that need to move up. Mm-hmm. But the rest of them, they've learned to play. They're happy. They can go play with their kids, their grandmother, yeah. whatever. Yeah. They're not going to be coming back uh-huh. again. So it's an entirely different market. Okay. And pe- people answer. don't really understand that until you actually start going out and doing lessons. Yeah. It's like some of the tennis pros, it's like, but they never come back. It's like, well, they don't need to. Yeah. <laughs> They have four friends that are equally good or bad as them, and they're having a good time. Yes. Yeah, you know, that's, I, I didn't look at it that way, but that's that's about right. There's there's one there's one phrase that I don't really like to hear too often that I don't like to hear is they call it an amenity sport, and I I don't really like that because I'm like, well, these people want to exercise, they want to socialize, and they you know, amenities like an add on. I, I don't really see it like that, and the boom. Would you call us a big boom we have here? In yeah, well, the reason they call it an amenity sport mm-hmm. is because if you're running a tennis facility, mm-hmm. you have to have revenue. Yes. Pickleball is a very low revenue sport, even though I run a lot of people through. Yes. Now, per court, mm-hmm. I can generate more revenue. Yes. But I'm not going to generate a lot of revenue for pros because mm-hmm. I'm not going to have that many lessons. Yeah. Okay. So from a tennis director's perspective... People have come in, they paid their monthly fee. Mm-hmm. That's all they want. <laughs> yeah. You don't make any money off your monthly fee for a tennis facility. Mm-hmm. You make your money off of lessons. Yeah. So it's an entirely different mindset. Uh-huh. And once you realize that, yeah. it's fine. Yes. But you just have to realize it just so happens they're on the same court, they're not the same market, they're not the same sport, and the revenue stream is entirely different. That's a great way to look at it. That's that's more. Ed- Kurt, do you see a lot of people around my age, like late twenties, oh, yeah. early thirties, come oh, in yeah. and do that? Yeah, like like at T Bar, I've got a Wednesday night drill at six thirty, and I'd say whereas probably two or three months ago, for the year for probably the year I've been doing it is probably hit probably you know sixty sixty five to probably seventy five age level coming in former tennis players. Now I got a bunch of kids people younger than you, like twenty seven. I got a group of like fifteen of those guys. They're all coming out because this one guy, hopefully I'll get him on. It's guy, right. you got to come out and play pickleball with Curtis. You got to come right. out and play with Dom. You got to come out and do it with Tevin. Right. You know, and it is getting younger. It is. And it's funny because you see the ones that think they know it 
Oh, you know, just talking about whatever. Or the ones that are like, I don't know what I'm doing. And I've actually, ironically enough, I've seen a lot more of those than I have the ones where I know I'm doing. The, the interesting thing on the youth one is percentage-wise, I wouldn't say we're getting a bigger increase percentage-wise in the youth. It's just we're getting a larger pool in general. Yes. Okay. Um, so, I mean, when, when I first started, we had a bunch of young guys that played too. But mostly with pickleball, it's more of a social sport. You're right so about that. Yeah. if you get a bunch of friends that play it, then you'll get a group that goes together. Right. If a couple of people leave, yeah, they leave. Then it tends to die. So it's much more of a social thing. And then the other thing, young adult sports or sports under the age of 35 are pretty much nosedived in participation rate in the last 25 years. Really? Oh, yeah, you're right. I yeah. mean, if you look at like the yeah. guys that run the rec centers and stuff, you know, a friend of mine runs them up in Denton. He's like, yeah, we used to have 70-something softball teams. We're down to 32. And they're not even good. You know, we don't have hardly any adult leagues. Uh, oh, really? He said, well, if you look at the youth participation yeah. rates, you can see an interesting diagram where you have number of kids playing, the rise of the Xbox. No, okay, yeah. <laughs> okay, but that has a big impact on how it adds into every sport. So you still have all the really athletic ones that ran through all the programs. So we have many more programs now than when we were growing up. Yeah. But what you don't have is like, when was the last time you drove down the street and saw kids playing basketball in the basketball courts? That's a good point. I mean, we used to play on those oh, yeah. all day. Sun up to sundown, yeah. man. You come okay. up for lunch and you just So go you're not seeing that. Oddly enough, so and our schools are so much larger now that unless you're a top athlete, you're not playing any of the programs. Where if you played like... You know, when I was growing up in the class B schools, mm -hmm. everybody played. Mm -hmm. So pickleball is actually achievable if you are younger with no athletic training and no athletic ability. Mm -hmm. So that's actually where we're picking up. We're not really picking up many of the good athletes. Mm -hmm. We're picking up the ones that, well, I'd like to do something. I've never done anything at yeah. all. Right. Yes. I, I, your case in point, I think, is great. And I'm sure Tevin agrees about um, that younger group that you asked about, Tevin. Mm -hmm. That's the one he's talking about where you, you get them in there for one, once or twice and then they're gone. You don't see them for months. It's right. so true. It's so true. But also with some of these, these, these um, uh, more experienced players in life, older, older, or, or older kids, uh, they commit and they want you every week. But I've, I've taken a page from your book now about saying if you're not winning and we're working on something every week, we got to stop because you got to apply what we're working on. I love you. I think you're great. and want to see you get better, but we got to start applying stuff like that. But that's a really good point. Um, oh, but another question to you, because he's the son of the Godfather. How about that? <laughs> you're Al Pacino. <laughs> but uh, what do you think about pickleballs going to elementary schools and stuff like that? You think that's good? Or what are your thoughts? I know you think it's good. I I like expanding the sport, mm -hmm. um, but you know, from growing up in education with both my parents mm -hmm. in it, it's really not an optimal sport for elementary schools. Really? Okay. And the simple reason is you can't have enough kids play at once. Oh. So if I have a gym, if they played dodgeball, I could have 40 kids play in that gym mm -hmm. with one teacher. Mm -hmm. If I put pickleball courts in there, 12. Wow. Yeah. Okay, and then I have to watch the rest of them and stuff. Mm -hmm. So that's a great point. Man. Realistically, really from a from a utilization perspective, I mean, we've been pushing it and 
they've been pushing it hard for the last 14 to 15 years into the schools. Mm -hmm. You'll see it some, but not a lot. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's just because, you know, if the kids play kickball or soccer or, you know, volleyball with all 30 kids on the court, that's one thing. But when you try and set up, you're right. Like youth pickleball. That's wow. That's that's a pretty t- task. You're right. I didn't think about and, you know, that. And you only have the one gym teacher. Yeah. So, you know, and I don't think we're going to get many. More Ideally, gym it's great, but realistically, it's probably a tough, a tough. Yeah. Realistically, I just don't see it. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with that. I, I I didn't look at it that way. Yeah, I see them pushing it. I just don't see the schools going through with the effort on it because wow. it's just so much effort for the gym teacher. Yeah. No, that's that's a good point. Well, I guess, you know, um, how, how would people contact you? Would you, is you want to give an email or you want to give a facility or just a, maybe not that you need a bunch, but say you bring on some pros and that's for you pros that are listening. This guy knows how to teach the game of pickleball and play, but more importantly, both. And he cares about it. And so, you know, I, I think if a pro wanted to reach out to you. What would yeah, you actually, think? I teach lots of pros Good. how to teach it. Um, you can reach me either at uh, Bentry or mm-hmm. Glen Eagles. Either country clubs yes. really good at That's good. Our, uh, my email address is domgreco, D-O-M-G-R-E-C-O, 66 at hotmail.com. That's great. Um, so, you know, would you like to come back on sometime? Yes. Okay, great. Especially if I get more liquid death. Hell yeah, man. We're going to die today. We're going to drink some mountain water. But, um, well, in closing, hey, look. You be sure, all of you listeners, to check out the other shows we have. Uh, it doesn't matter what mood you're in. I'm sure one of these damn shows will fit it because I've, I've been watching uh, some good shows lately. And um, it's a one big vocal family we got here. But, you know, when I see Tevin or I see Dom, and they, I want to say, guys, come on, let's pickle. So, hey, you guys have a great weekend, and I appreciate you, Tevin. And I appreciate Thank you. you, Thank you, Dom, for coming on, guys. All right, take it easy. Peace. Coming through.